Corner 3 Podcast, weekly tales of the NBA's hardwood from the suburbs of Cincinnati. Check us out at thecorner3.net. What's up, everybody, and welcome to The Corner 3, episode 31. I am one of your hosts, Alex Derrickson, and joined with me today is Mr. Mozzarella himself, Tim Daniel. Tim, how are you? Keep my name out your mouth. I'm going to give you a new nickname every week until I find one I like. <laughs> All right. <laughs> so so get, get ready for that. And joining us today, as always, the My Team King, Sean Mackey. Hey, I won last time. Yeah, he did. He's, he's beaten me twice, uh, Alex. One was My Team. Did you play me a regular game too, Tim? Yeah, yeah, I played with the classic Magic, and you played with a classic Suns team that didn't even have Steve Nash. Yeah, that was that was dumb of me. That was <laughs> how the classic me. Suns team not have Steve Nash. It was, no, they had they, they they had they had uh, Steve Nash, but they didn't have. Um, there was somebody they were missing. I'm trying to think who it was. They were definitely missing a player, though. That yeah, was, were, I just I was I just played as that team. Yeah, there 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 was there's an integral piece that was missing, and I'm trying to think what it was, but I can't I can't put my finger on what it was. So, <laughs> anyways. Anyway, me now. I know that I was know. a good team. Joe I Johnson. Know. I know it was I know. whoever was it, when Mary Marion came off the bench. Mm-hmm. I don't know, but if this is your first time well, listening, this is the Corner Three podcast, where each week the three of us get together, talk about the NBA because we're the only dorks in Cincinnati that big enough, well, dorks for lack of a better word, again to even have a <laughs> podcast about it. <laughs> that is oh, very true. All of that. That is true. Each episode posts every Friday on iTunes, Stitcher, and Google Play, and occasionally you'll get some interstitial bonus episodes, like episode two of Here Come the Young Guns. Tim, you want to tell us about the 96 draft? Absolutely. So yeah, Ben Brown and I, holding it down, talking to drafts. So we just did the 96 draft, which went up Wednesday morning. Um, we're, we go through and break down the whole draft, the, the gems, the diamond in the roughs, the Zajunasel Galskis in the draft. For a lot of people who may not remember how deep that class is, that was the class that Ben Wells wasn't drafted, and obviously now he's on the way to being in the Hall of Fame in Springfield. So, Also, and of course, like every episode of Here Come the Young Guns, you'll be able to hear us at the end. Do the mock draft, but this time instead of doing the top ten, we do the whole lottery. And where Kobe Bryant goes <coughs> makes things a little interesting. Oh, can't wait to listen to that. That Those posts every Wednesday. You can get your regular Corner 3. Again, iTunes, Stitcher, and Google Play for all of our media. Each episode posts every Friday. Tim, yeah, man. what's your topic? Topic this week for Tim has got to be, it is, we're now at the point of the NCAA tournament. It was a very fun week. I know a lot of people were really disappointed in the games, but I thought the games were good. Basically, people were mad there weren't buzzer beaters and overtime classics. But I thought the games were fun. I thought we got to see a lot of young future NBA talent on key. Um, and we had a couple names already declare for the NBA draft, including Duke forward Jason Tatum, as Duke was surprisingly beat by South Carolina. Tatum projected to go in the top five. Um, also in there, Ivan Rabb of California, who, if you listen to my shows with Taylor Bergfeld talking about this college class, I love Ivan Rabb, a big forward, can play center. He's gonna get, he is also declared. And then we have a ton of talent, guys. Uh, Donovan Mitchell from Louisville also declaring he was a big-time player for them. Because we have a ton of talent coming up in the Sweet 16 is going on this week, including tomorrow night when my beloved Xavier Musketeers take on Lori Markinen, who plays for the Arizona Wildcats, a kid you got to watch, getting pro comparisons to Christos Porzingis, has a lot of length, elevation skills. So that was there. And there's some it, history there with Sean Miller, of course, too. Yeah, yeah I don't want to talk about him. He's dead to me. Um, <laughs> 
And then the big thing, obviously, is this week is Friday, guys. It's Kentucky UCLA. It is Lonzo Ball going against De'Aaron Fox and Malik Monk. That's three top ten picks right there in a guard-heavy draft. I am looking forward to this matchup. UCLA got the first one. Um, a lot of people are picking UCLA to win it. Alex, you know, you included picked you picked the Bruins on your bracket, but I did. Something tells me because this is a stat. I, I I gave this to you guys in private and text message yesterday. When John Calipari plays a team in the regular season and then the tournament, if they beat him, he's beaten every team except for one, and that was the 2011 UConn Huskies, and they had a kid by the name of Kemba Walker on that team. Other than that, he's had three or four cases now where he's run into this with Indiana, a few other schools, North Carolina even, and he's beaten those teams. So I think history might be on the Wildcats' side for the Calipari era. It'll be interesting. I'm excited. I I definitely think that the UK-UCLA matchup here was planned. Yeah. Uh, it's, I mean, no other way to say that. But I'm super excited, and that's saying something because I don't know the last time I watched college basketball. Well, it's. I mean, the thing is with the college basketball is, like, occasionally, minus certain comp, like the ACC, you're going to see pro prospects every every night, obviously. Sure. Dukes, Carolinas, at NC State, you know, Georgia Tech's. Notre Dame, so you have like you have tons of talent there. This is a case where you thought that when you got that game in the in the regular season that that was going to be the only time you'd see this match between these three top ten guards, but now you're getting it again. And what's going to be interesting is can that Blonzo Ball TJ Leaf group, who beat a really good UC team, are they going to be able to get around this Kentucky team and take it to those guards of Fox and Monk? Who Kentucky has not played well those first two games. Shout out to our beloved home NKU Norse gave them a fight. Played a really great game, but I think that this is going to be an interesting case here. Um, I get why a lot of people are picking UCLA. I think if I weren't optimistic, I would too. But I, I just got this feeling, man. I got that Calipari magic feeling, and I still do think that there are some truths to the matter of Steve Alford potentially going to Indiana. Oh, 100%. I mean, I, I think that's like that's the smart pick. Now, Will history repeat themselves, and will the head coach of the Indiana Hoosiers be Reggie Miller? (laughs) (laughs) When everybody thinks it's going to be Steve Alford. (laughs) (laughs) Now, you mentioned Duke, and I want to bring this up, because this topic came up amongst another group of people uh, and and myself. Is Duke overrated in tournament play? Um, You could certainly see the argument. I mean, obviously... But the thing is, like, when they lose these games in the tournament, I think they just run into guys on their best day. Here's the thing about Duke that a lot of people really kind of overlook is every night they play, they're going to get the best of somebody. So they're going to get the best, you know, talent, skill level, everything that player wants. They're going to have it for Duke. We saw that with Lehigh in the tournament a few years back when, oh, what's that guy for the Portland Trailblazers now? C.J. McCollum made his name in the tournament as a number 15 seed, being a two seed. But I don't know if they're necessarily overrated. I think that, you know, the intensity of the ACC really does come into play in tournaments, and I think that can play a part. But I just think that if you watch that South Carolina game, they got good shots. They just weren't knocking them down. Like, South Carolina, like, South Carolina probably could have beat the Nets that night the way they were shooting. That's true. I don't really mean that. I'm not going to be that guy. But it would have been a good game. No, no. I just think it's funny because... Everybody, you know, that that I spoke with about, you know, the bracket seeding and everything was very determined to go out and say that Duke had the easiest route to the Final Four this mm-hmm. year. And uh, 
and they're already done, you know. And I wasn't surprised. I did not, um, I did not have them going to my final four. But um, do you have Nova? You know, I did have Nova. Ooh. I did. Mm. I did. Yeah. So I three of my four are still alive. But uh, a lot of it killed a lot. There's a lot of people that I the bracket that I'm in right now. Most of them are about they have one or two still alive because a lot of people took a lot of chances this year, you know. Of course, but that's uh, half the fun. Yeah, I know. I, I had Middle Tennessee going pretty far, and they got yeah. beat. You know, whatever. I had I had a uh, SMU beating Duke. I I also had so, SMU beating Duke. <laughs> yeah. So uh, you and I both simultaneously ate shit on that one. Yep. Yep. We were both the center of like the SMU human centipede. <laughs> yeah, I had that, and I still have Michigan going. I I've, I have them going pretty far, so I'm, I'm happy they're winning, and they looked solid the other night. That's going to be a fun game. That is going to be a track yes. meet. You're going to see two teams that run NBA style offenses go at it. I can't wait for that. It's going to be a good one. So, looking forward and everything, Tim, how are you feeling? What are your projections? You got any crazy predictions for those busted brackets? A second a, a second wind of sorts in the I, tournament, if you could pick. Hmm, man, if I could pick, because I had picked Carolina to win, like, I picked Carolina to win one, I picked Kentucky to win one, I picked Duke to win one. Just, you know, depending on the bracket pool. Two out of three ain't bad. Right, I'm still alive in two of them. Uh, the other two are still yeah. playing the same region, so either way I'm going to eliminate myself somehow if Kentucky does win. But I like a lot of these teams, man. Um, okay, we're going to take my – this is going to sound very homer of me, but I think Xavier stands a lot better of a chance than people expect against Arizona. I think that their guard play is the most important thing in the tournament, and they're getting really good play out of Trayvon Blewett right now. Um, he's just yeah, I mean, awesome. they played great at the start of the season. Yeah, they did, and they were outstanding against a very, very good Florida State team who also has a couple NBA guys on their team. Uh, guys like Dwayne Bacon, who have already declared for the draft, and, um, you know, that's 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 a really good job. <clears throat> Simmons also, who is going to be a lottery pick, and they beat that team by 25. They didn't just kind of beat them. You know, they didn't get lucky. They dominated. Um, I really like Purdue. Uh, the big, I don't like Big Ten basketball much, but... I, like everyone else in the world, have been really impressed with Caleb Swanigan, the big four, power four from Purdue, who's had the great story of coming back from being 350 pounds and getting in shape and really making a name for himself. Hopefully he's got some teams drafting in the mid to late first round looking at him. <laughs> Chicago Bulls maybe could be one of those. <laughs> for um, a second I thought that was a legit cough, and I was like, oh my god, Tim. <laughs> and so I, I'm really looking – I really like his play. I think that him and going against Kansas is going to be really good. I'm really excited about that. So if I have to pick a team right now that I'm putting the most confidence on to win it all, I would say I probably put it as much as I just said those things about my beloved Muskies. I think the best available team right now is still the, is Arizona. I know a lot of people are going to say UCLA just runs the best offense, which they do. But I'm really nervous about Carolina against Butler because Butler is that team that they don't – they are – they're the Cavaliers in a sense of they don't care about the regular season, but when they get to the playoffs, they're going to kick your ass. And sure. they kind of have that mentality. Um, if I'm Baylor, I'm very nervous for South Carolina because how they looked in that game, like that, maybe that was their, what did Ben Gulliver put it for that time? The Grizzlies beat the Warriors by 20. That was their Illmatic. This might have been their Illmatic, but that was, a, I mean, that was the best game that I've, I've seen them play all year. Well, if, if Baylor goes back, plays some old, old time, you know, Quincy AC, Epe Udo style Baylor basketball, they'll just block and dunk on everybody and it'll yeah. be fine and they'll score like 93 points. 
So, you mentioned the three lottery picks also in the UK-UCLA game. Mm-hmm. Rank them. How you feeling? What's on the line in this game and draft positioning to you? Um, I don't think a whole lot as far as draft positioning. I think this is more about like school pride. And these are the two, I mean... If you didn't mention college basketball, you got, you're going to go along. With, you're not going to go along for you mention Kentucky, UCLA, the two teams that have the most in championships in the country. Um, I think, regardless, Lonzo Ball is the first or second pick. I don't think as much as we talked last week, and I will not mention his name anymore because he does not deserve the attention he will get. Uh, father of Lonzo Ball will really take away from you know his his likeness. I still think that he is the, you know, depending on where you look at first or second best player in the, in the draft, second. And then, but I think for Monk and Fox, this is interesting because, you know, like I mentioned, Kentucky didn't play well against Northern Kentucky. Mm-hmm. They didn't play too great against Wichita. But I think that those two are really easily could be in that 5, 6, 7 range between two of those three picks. I think if Monk and Fox have, or Fox have really great games against what, UCLA and they somehow defensively hold ball to, like, 12 points and four, four or five assists. I think that's going to do a lot for them when teams are going to look at, can I trust those guys in, in isolation situations? All right. My topic. So we've discussed it many times over on multiple episodes, and I'm sure people are sick of, of hearing about it from us. But the league, the commission himself, Adam Silver, has come out and passed out a memo about the resting of star players. This is from the AP. It's on NBA.com. It's a Tim Reynolds article. It's uh, Adam Silver tells NBA team owners to take note of rest issue if you want to read it. NBA Commissioner Adam Silver sent a memo to the league's Board of Governors Monday describing the way teams are choosing to rest starters in some games as, quote, an extremely significant issue for our league, end quote, and pressing owners to be more involved in the decision-making process. What is the future of this? LeBron has come out and said that he has done enough to, he feels he has done enough to earn days off. I agree. I, I think it's, I think it's easy to forget that as much money as these guys make, this is a physical toll on their bodies. Uh, and, and I think that even though the season is, you know, so many months out of the year and they have, you know, a break or whatever. And if you're the nets, you have an even longer break. It's. <laughs> I, I think it's got to be frustrating for the players, but if, if you're the league, I've got ideas of how I, I think the league and the team should compromise and kind of meet in the middle on these situations, but I really want to kind of get into the weeds with you guys on this, and how do you feel about Silver's response? How, how, how do you guys feel about the resting of the players? Is there a compromise? Like, where would you guys want to meet in the middle on this? Because uh, this is becoming kind of a hot-button issue, because we've lost uh, two back-to-back Saturday marquee games to yeah. resting players. We sure have. Yeah, but they were during tournament time, too, so I, you know, I don't... I honestly don't think it was that big of a deal. I mean, it it is and it isn't. You know, it's it's a big deal for ESPN. But, sure. You know, and, you like, know, advertisers. I mean, and advertisers, I completely agree, but during the last... The last you know, week. I, I really don't think it's mattered that much because NBA NBA games are just are just not being watched during during the hardcore March Madness season. It's just it's it. People are going elsewhere to watch basketball. Um, but um, there's two sides to this. You know, the uh, the Warriors came out the other day, and you know they have 
a lot of the Warriors games are nationally televised. So, uh, and, and the Cavs. These are two teams. They're marquee teams. So, um, the fact that, you know, they're resting stars during these games, the problem is they're, they're on national TV. Like, one, like between, you know, the Clippers, the, the, uh, the Warriors, the Thunder, and, uh, and the Cavs, I mean, one of those teams is usually on national TV, you know, at least every other night. So... Those guys, you know, it, it it really it really makes them look bad because they're on TV all the time. I mean, Brooke Lopez could be rested for an entire week and no one would even care, right? I mean, because he's not, you know, they're, you know, would they probably only had what five to ten nationally televised games this year, maybe less, probably. We less talk so much shit about Brooke Lopez. <laughs> I know. I know we love know him. I don't. I don't even. I don't even hate on Brooke Lopez, but I'm just saying. No. Somebody who plays for a historically bad team right now, and you know, they could be being rested, and no one's going to make a stink about it. But when LeBron does it, and you know, it becomes a big deal. And there are two sides. I get it from a fan perspective. Um, if you go to see them, or you took off work to go see them, and that's the reason why you're going to see them. Now, there's also you're going to see the team. So there's that. There's that aspect too. You're going to support the team regardless of one player. You sure. Know? I mean, it, but I mean, let's face it, it. You know, Cavs fans are there because of LeBron. Yep. They are. Okay. They, you know, they weren't selling out arenas when he was gone. They weren't. It wasn't well, no, no, nobody doubts that. Nobody doubts that. I know exactly. But you know, um, you know, it, it, it's one of those things where you know, there's two ways you have to look at it. You know, you have to look at it from the player's perspective. LeBron has has he does deserve some time off. Every once in a while, last year when he took that week off, you know, during the whole flat uh, coaching thing, and said, "You guys figure this out. I'm gonna rest for a week." It really helped him like a lot. So, uh, you know, I don't, uh, you know, I don't blame him for saying that. But I, from Adam Silver's perspective, it is a business, and they're there for advertisers and you know, television deals and everything from that. So. Y- there's two different sides. There's always going to be two different sides. I don't even know how you you combat this issue right now. What do you think, Tim? Um, I think the first thing that's really going to help is, like Adam Silver's plan, he said in the new CBA, is to get to the point where the season starts a little earlier in the year so they can do less than back-to-backs. I think that's a huge step. Um, I love I, that. Yeah, I do too. I think it's great because we all agree that preseason basketball, <clears throat> after about the first two games of excitement, the heck yeah, we're watching I, NBA basketball. I wish... I wish they only had, like, two or three of them. Like, that would be fine. Yes, it two, yeah. two or three, and that's it. Eight's not necessary. And I agree. It, it is totally not necessary at all. It's the same thing any any sport preseason, especially with the exception of spring training. With the exception right. of spring training, that's a little bit different. But but same thing with football. I feel the same way about oh, the NFL. God, yeah. Don't get me yeah. started on that as a season ticket. I know. I'm not team. going to. I'm not going to. I'm not going to. <laughs> But I think we're not going down that rabbit hole today, Tim. That's fine. That's fine. I appreciate us not going down that rabbit hole today. Um, But yeah, and I think that that's that's going to definitely help. Um, I do agree with LeBron in the sense of where he says when he when it is him doing it, it's a bigger story, and the people that like try to argue that case are totally wrong. Um, So I think that that's you know that plays a part. But the medium, I think that's going to help. Like I said, if they get that CBA rule to go through. Um, if you guys remember last week, I kind of gave the argument of, you know, you got to at some point make it to where the fans feel like they matter. Even if they play 10, 15 minutes, 
Like, that's going to, you know, that player's going to appreciate. When I was supposed to go to Cleveland, if LeBron played 10, 15 minutes, I'm not going to sit there and go, he only played 15 minutes. I'm going to go, okay, cool, I saw LeBron play. It's not like going to see your favorite. It's not like going to see Derek Jeter play three innings. You know what I mean? And I think right. that's, that's the difference yeah. there. And then I had to put this because I thought this was interesting. I was watching NBA Countdown um, today as we are recording before the Hawks and Wizards came on. And Jalen Rose and Tracy McGrady were talking about it, and they were having a great conversation uh, about it. And Jalen Rose makes this point, and I went, damn, that's right. He goes, if it's a team that's in the run, it's called resting if they sit out a couple days. If it's a team that's out of it, it's called shutting them down. I.e. Eric Bledsoe, I.e. you know the, the Laker argument we had last week. And probably shouldn't be Brooke Lopez. Actually, I don't know if that really matters because the Nets still have that pick. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, it, it it draws a weird line because that's where I was trying to think of like where the, the league and the teams and the players can all meet on like a common ground. And it it's a weird thing to say like, oh, okay, yeah, LeBron can't do it if they're playing Golden State on a Saturday night on the games on ESPN. Like that's way too many parameters to lay out. But then if you're trying to compare not to keep him beating a, a dead horse and a broken horse, but Brooke Lopez... <laughs> If you if you take like Brook Lopez, like how many like do you have to like tier the players to give them so many days off, or there's so many games they're allowed to play, or of like do you say like LeBron can't sit if they're going to the Staples Center to play the Lakers, but he can sit if he plays against Memphis? But I, I, I feel like there's going to be parameters set that if the game is nationally televised, you can't. Re- I don't, it's weird. Like I don't know how you can sit there and honestly tell players like, oh, you can't rest. <laughs> Yeah, I agree. I but, go ahead. I'm sorry. For, for, I would say from from a different perspective, though, I've been a disappointed sports fan. Before. <laughs> yes. No, you. Right, you. I mean, you both know the story of the time I saw the Harlem Globetrotters <laughs> and they played regular basketball. <laughs> <laughs> and then you sent me the newspaper article to prove it. Yes, it was. It was awful. The halftime show played in that game. The halftime show where wiener dog races, and when it end, everyone booed because the game started again. <laughs> Weird. I Second time I was disappointed is the one. The other time I was disappointed was I saw the Undertaker wrestle, and it was his American Badass era. Oh. But I know, just can't you can't win them all. No. But I and I, I so I get it, like expecting one thing and going and not getting your money's worth. But I also think it's. With sports, you know, with, like, boxing or wrestling or fighting, it's card subject to change. Mm-hmm. And yeah. I, don't, I don't think, business aside, I don't think you can hold teams and players accountable because then, okay, so say what if LeBron was going to rest and then the league says he has to play, he goes out and gets hurt. That would be it's, that would be bad. Yeah, <laughs> right, right. It's I mean, and you it all of a sudden it's that same kind of scrutiny. And and to go back to a, a most recent thing I could like compare it to was Bulls in Philly when they were up. They were up. Rose didn't need to be playing. They were up by twelve in the fourth and swing towards ACL. You know, if, so, if, so, if, you, if you talk to Tom Thibodeau, the the score was going the other way, Alex. I know. I understand that. I'm just saying. <laughs> It's there's a lot of onus I think for the league to have to come down and crack down on player rest, but I, I feel like that. I hope there's a middle ground, but I f- just feel like to me it's going to create too much of a tenuous like. 
I don't know. I don't, I don't know if this is going to be an issue they can solve because how do you deem what games are important? How do you deem like all of that stuff? Yeah, um, and I kind of hate to be this guy, you know, because uh, this conversation's come up too. Um, a lot of people have had the discussion of, you know, cutting this... Steve Kerr himself, cutting the season down by five or six games, I think would help significantly in that too. I don't know if I really want that because I actually do enjoy the 82 games, especially in situations where we have a god-awful race in the Eastern Conference for five through eight, and it's like, who's going to get in? I want to see all these bad teams play to try to make it. Um, but I think that that would, I mean, that's a possible other alternate that you can look at there. Will the NBA do it? I highly doubt it because, you know, all the reasons I mentioned above as far as advertisements, primetime games, etc. But yeah, man, I mean, along with this and this referee hotline, the NBA is going to have some interesting stuff to talk about. <laughs> Players are going to have some interesting stuff to talk about in the referee hotline. <laughs> Please tell me these will be released to the public. I would, oh my uh, god. Uh, Russell Westbrook uh, complaining about officials on a, on a voicemail? I am oh calling god. anonymously. <laughs> <laughs> this is Russell Westbrook. <laughs> oh man. Sean, what's yes. your topic? Well... Another setback today in the Joel Embiid <laughs> saga, <laughs> injury saga. It was announced today by Mark Stein that he will be uh, having his left knee repaired. Um, and just another setback for a guy that we we saw some really good flashes of awesome this year, and he still might get Rookie of the Year for what he did in the minimal amount of games that he played. Um but it looks like he's going to be out again for a while, which is a damn shame. Because Ben Simmons is going to be coming back next year. Dario Saric is incredible at basketball. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, and and now this guy goes down again. And, like, I don't know if we're ever going to see all three of those guys on the floor at the same time. Like, it, it's something I want to see. Like, I really want to see those guys on the floor at the same time. Alex, well, the, you, the, the, I was going to say, the issue is, is if they're all on the floor at the same time, they hold hands and form a triangle. I believe it summons the Order of the Isosceles, and which will bring upon the end times. Is that, is that what it is? Yes. Yeah, it, it figures it's it would happen rumor. in Philly. You know, it yeah. would happen in Philly. Of course. So, um, so Tim, do you think that uh, Joel Embiid is going to be another... Just injury prone prone player for the next few years. Do you think he's actually going to be great, you know, or is he going to be a sort of Derrick Rose, Grant Hill kind of situation where every you know three or four months he's going to go down with something that seems serious? First off, thank you for not saying Penny Hardaway in that group. You know, I appreciate I that. I I I, <laughs> I actually kept him out because of you. I know. I know. <laughs> thank you. I appreciate that. Go ahead. So, um, here's the thing about Joel Embiid, guys, that makes it interesting. We saw glimpses of Hakeem with his talent and abilities and the things he was able to do and, like, there's there's influences on the court. Um, Or as we knew him in 1984, Hakeem. But we're talking about a guy that has the skill level of Hakeem Olajuwon in the knees of, dare I say, Penny Hardaway. And that's what makes this really hard and interesting. And um, I don't want him to be that guy, and I don't know if he's not going to be that guy, you know, and that's what's so frightening, because Joel is fun, he's exciting, um, you know, you guys mentioned that group of Saric, uh, Simmons, and Embiid, 
What if they go get De'Aaron Fox and put that group together? If those guys are all healthy, holy shit, the Sixers have a damn good milestone because Fox is the next freaking Drew Holiday, honestly. But I don't. I just worry that we're going to have this all the time. And I don't want that to be the case because I think of all of us, we all know who the biggest bandwagoner was of the Joel Embiid uh, team. Um, took him in the sixth round of our fantasy basketball draft, if we remember. And yep, I do. It, it looked good for a while. I was like, hey, this was not a bad pick. <laughs> And no. then, you know, everything happened. But it does frighten me, obviously, like any diehard NBA fan who wants to see this guy succeed. And mainly because in those 31 games, he was a freaking rock star. He was, his usage rate was that the usage of an NBA superstar. Like, he was getting a higher, he had a higher usage rate than freaking Steph Curry at one point in the year. Should have should, should have been on the all-star team, too. Yes, yes. Yeah. Dare I say established himself as the best center in the East? Yes, yes, yeah, 100%. Yeah. I love yeah. Hassan Whiteside, but he's not as good as Embiid when healthy. No, um, no. I... Yeah, so... Embiid was shooting, was shooting threes very well, you know, towards the end of his, you know, his season. I mean, he, he, he can shoot, he can rebound, he really can do everything. Yeah, man. I mean, he has a ridiculous skill set. It is absolutely ridiculous. And it's the kind of skill set that you need in this year's, you know, in this... In, in this time's NBA, because Hassan, Hassan Whiteside's not going to be able to shoot the ball past the free throw line. He's not. He can't like, even shoot at school. the free throw line. He can't even <laughs> shoot at the free throw line. Exactly. I mean, the guy's going to get dunks and he's going to get he's going to get rebounds and blocks. But uh, you know, I mean, the 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 center position has evolved so much over like the last two years to a point where it's if you can't shoot the ball, you're you're not going to be on the floor. Yeah, I agree. And I think that's what makes it interesting, too, because guys like Embiid and Carl Anthony Towns have completely reinvented what a center does. Um, yes. Those two, yes. I think those two are the flagships of that. So, yes. and that's the other thing, man, is those two games when the Wolves and Sixers played, that was like a classic center battle for a couple nights. And those two love yeah. each other and they enjoyed playing against each other. And it was fun. Like, so that's another reason I want it back because I want to be able to look forward to in a few years when those two teams have everyone and everything's going well. I want to look forward to TNT Thursday Night Prime Times when we're talking about a playoff team, Timberwolves, and a playoff Sixers team, and those two being, like, the big commercials. So we need – the league needs Joel Embiid to be able to play 60, 70 games a year. It just has to be – we need this. It's it's necessary. And and it helps that he's got such a likable personality. Exactly. Oh, yes, yes. I mean, he's going to – everyone once – hopefully once he's healthy and healed and on the court and plays 70 games, he'll – you know, everyone will kind of warm up to him because, yeah, I'm in the same boat as you guys. Like, I really want to hear, like, an NBC Sunday afternoon game promotion – or ABC Sunday afternoon for the Wolves and Sixers. Like, I want fun. to live it. I want to live in that time. I yeah. want to live in that America. <laughs> I want Joel and B and Carl Anthony Towns to, like build this like loving friendship off the court and just crazy rivalry on the court where it's who tries to do do better than who, and those two guys could totally do it and make it fun. So a LeBron Kobe of centers. Yes, yes, I'm a hundred percent okay with that because as am I. Yeah, I, I love especially if you against- bring him up and. All-Star games and stuff, too? Yeah. Because I love Porzingis as much as the next person, but there's still something about him where I just worry that he's going to have foot problems because of his body frame and his height. It's because he's European, isn't it? <laughs> and he's <laughs> European? That's what it is. 
damn lad like, hands. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. Well, you know, final topic of the day. There's a lot of news that happened between last episode and this one. Yeah. Tim, you've got you're the keeper of some of these tales. All right, so Lay it on us. Let's what go happened through, in the league last week? Let's go through some big things first, guys. First off, first things first, Ice Cube's Big 3 League got a TV network deal with Fox Sports 1, which means we're probably going to get Skip Bayless uh, to commentate half-court basketball, aren't we? Uh, oh, it's on Fox God. Sports 1. Yeah. No, no. <laughs> Boo. Oh, man. Yeah. That makes so much sense. I know. <laughs> <laughs> totally, totally. Like, I like Fox Sports 1. It's all right. I appreciate m- most of the actual athletic event content they put on. Yeah, it's big in terms basketball. of in in terms of individual shows and figureheads. I have no interest. Yeah, yeah. Here's 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 my guarantee. Here's my bet. Like I'll put money on it right now. You can hear it on our show here on the corner three in the week of first ever hashtag Tim was right. Um, actually, that was Larry Sanders, if you remember. You gave me credit for that last week. That is true. You're right. I'm yeah. off my game on these memories. <laughs> but I will say that, that will sh- they will break records their first night of television ratings, because people are going to be curious, and then after that, it's going to be a total downfall. So, XFL 2 Electric Boogaloo? Yes. Exactly. 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 100% you've got You've just gained a viewer. And <laughs> Alan Iverson will be this, this league's Tommy Maddox. So... Hey, maybe he'll finally win a championship. Oh. Oh. All right. So let's move to other hey, now. <laughs> let's move to other news here. Um, obviously, I just want to touch on real quick. Dwayne Wade officially out for the season. I think that's there's something covering. There. Is he though? Is he really out for the season, or are we just playing coy that I, he has a convenient injury? Yeah, I, I totally think it's part. Of, it's partially that. Uh, highly Dad's going to pick up his player option. Look, look forward to him being in Denver next year. Um, and then, <laughs> but, Denver. You, think, you think that's what's going to happen? Yep. I don't. Oh, man. Got no. the Rev Ryan back on Tim, the show. Tim, Tim, come on. Really? He's not going you know to Cleveland. Yes, he will. He, they will what? find a way. With what Everyone, money? It doesn't matter. They always find a way, Tim. Always. Okay. They got Larry Sanders right now, dude. Okay. Who do you want more on that bench? Kyle Korver, Larry Sanders, and Derek Williams, or Dwayne Wade? Dude, I would actually take the three players over the one. Exactly. <laughs> so let's get to the let's get to the more important stuff of this week, guys. Um, the Undefeated had a really really awesome article about just good old fashioned NBA rivalries that still are alive. We okay, I should say me. Um, I don't, you know, we, we're, we're Bulls fans, diehard Bulls fans, yeah. But I, I had a little flirtation, like, with the Boston Celtics in 2008. They were the cute girl at the bar, you know, like, that new girl in town kind of, like, thing. We all, we, we all did. We exactly, all did. yeah. We're like, you were scared to I get didn't. her number? I, I, I bought a shirt before the season started, and then I realized how much I hated them <laughs> when they were assembled, because they were just beating everybody down. Right, Exactly. So that team is going to have themselves a celebration this summer of the 10-year anniversary of the 2008 Boston Celtics, who had the greatest turnaround in, in a single season of NBA history, and of course beat their heated rival Los Angeles Lakers to uh, win their first championship in a very long time. Now, what's interesting is the big three minus one will be there, looking at you, Ray Allen, as you were not invited by Ray John Rondo, and you were told by 
members of that 08 Celtics team to not be invited. So guys, I 100% get it. Ray Allen left for the enemy Miami Heat to go be a be the sixth man behind Wade and that and play, play with LeBron in them. At the end of his career, I don't really blame him for that. But I, I get where this is coming from because of that like feeling of like <clears throat> like if Jimmy Butler signed with the Cavaliers feeling. You know, like that's I, I, I if that's how I guess I'll relate. So not that he'd ever do that. But I I think that um this is kind of fun at the same point because we do see some like NBA like logo of rivalry. The only like hatred we really hear about much anymore is guys like Michael Jordan, Isaiah Thomas. Well, now we kind of have a little more of that again. But at the same point, like, if we talk about that Celtics 08 title team, and I get Paul Pierce was the guy and Kevin Garnett was the one that made the most sacrifices because he became the defender on the team, that team is not where they are without Ray Allen. So I don't know where I lean if he should be allowed to be invited on this vacation or why I care, but I'm actually really <laughs> intrigued by it. Well, Scott Pollard isn't coming either, right? <laughs> yes, correct. He's also... Yeah. Well, he, they just forgot to invite him. Right? <laughs> right. That, that's, that's really what, like who the hell Scott? Like PJ All Brown, PJ Brown got an invite and he was on the team for half the season. Yeah. Well, yeah, but he was he was great for those guys. So, uh, you know what? I I think <laughs> it, it's a funny story. I'm not gonna lie, it's a really funny story, and it's funny that they still hold this grudge against him. Like you know. <laughs> But, like, Kevin Garnett and Paul Pierce, you know, they left the Celtics together to go play on the Nets. And they seem to be pretty tight. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, and Ray Allen was just kind of that guy who ended up getting traded there on draft night. I don't think the camaraderie was there um, with him, with the other players. And Rajon Rondo and him, uh, yeah. it, was, it was pretty evident that they did not like each other that much. So... I don't, uh, I, you know, I, I don't blame him. I think, I think it's funny that they're still kind of like angry about it. They're still a little pissed off that he went to the Heat. Um, and I, I, I like, I love the old players' mentality that you know, we can't all be friends. I think, you know? my, yeah, let's hold a grudge. Let's hold a grudge. I think my you favorite know? thing about it is if you remember when Rondo had that whole like Instagram post about like his veterans when the whole Butler versus Butler Wade versus the locker room thing happened, he posted that yeah. picture of him, Garnett, and Pierce, and it's like his veterans, and yeah. Ray Allen was nowhere to be seen. Uh, yeah, yeah, and I I think it's funny that like the Bulls are just totally like like, winging in, like, the crappiest end to any season they've ever played right now, and Rondo's just like, man, I got a party to plan. I do not care about <laughs> basketball right now at all. <laughs> Let's just lose, guys. Let's lose out. <laughs> I want to imagine the stress for Jean Rondo has trying to manage an offense and plan a party. <laughs> I want that life. Rajon Rondo is like, if I'm gonna say Drew Holiday is the Jay Cut- is the Andy Dalton of like NBA point guards, and he's got to be like the Jay Cutler, right? I mean, yeah, yeah. that's a really good way to put it because I, I, my, I always go back to this article I read about Cutler right before the draft because he was in the same class as Leinert and Young, right? Yep. He said that he was better than the both of them, and not enough people were talking about him. And it's interesting to see who's still in the league. Right. 
I, I think that's a very, very apt statement because I'm pretty sure there were a handful of point guards that were taken before Jean Rondo that were not in the league anymore. Yeah, 100%. But the Bulls and Rondo tangentially linked together here. There was a passing in the Bulls family. Tim, would you like to be the bearer of the bad news? Sure, man. I guess if I have to be. Um, unfortunately, yeah, like Alex mentioned, Jerry Krause, the true Hall of Famer in the Bulls front office from that great 90s run, who is not in the Hall of Fame, passed away, unfortunately, at about at 77. Um, truly sucks, man, because he was the true engineer of that group. I know Jerry Reinsdorf gets a lot of credit, but, like, fuck, man, we all know the truth. And um, so it, it's, it's definitely a loss because... You know, obviously, as we know, the Bulls have not touched that greatness since. So, this you know, it's definitely something that's terrible to see there. Um, I mean, this is the guy that put, arguably, I mean, the greatest Bull, and arguably, in my full opinion, yes, the second greatest Bull on the, on the franchise at the same time, and made amazing things happen. So, true architect, true genius, and for the love of God, can we get him in the Hall of Fame? Well, I think now, I think posthumously, of that, that's how they'll do it. Just yeah. Because... Why do it when he's alive, right? Yeah. I feel like Sean... Stern's just sitting there like, I never wanted to hear him speak. (laughs) Sean's the one that should be speaking on this. Like, he's probably the most loyal, loving Bulls fan of the three of us, right? That's true. Yeah, I I don't think Jerry Krause gets enough credit for the the team that he, he constructed. Because, you know, the... From the beginning of the NBA until the 1980s, uh, most teams were built around uh, big men or point guards, and uh, Michael Jordan played the two. It was really kind of the first team that was built around a shooting guard, and the Krause didn't always do what the other players wanted, but he did what was right for the team. Um, you know, he got rid of, he traded Charles Oakley, which kind of put a riff in, with him and him and MJ. He was, uh, you know, MJ's buddies with Oakley, traded him for Cartwright, um, which he thought was a mistake, but it wasn't. Cartwright was a serviceable center for many years for that team and was kind of a linchpin in those lineups, you know. And then, you know, uh, Scotty Pippen did not care for uh, the drafting of Tony Kukoc because he kind of felt like he was being replaced. And so there was always some beef there. So, I mean, he, he never, you know, he didn't, he didn't ask for the players' opinions. He just did things to make the team better. And he did. And they won six titles. And by the time it was all over with, he, Krause had pretty much ruined every relationship that he had with any player. And of course, Coach Jackson, but um, you know they had six rings, so you can't you can't argue with that. Function over would that be fashion over function or function over fashion? I don't think either of those idioms apply. However, no. this has been the corner three episode thirty one. Tim, Sean, it has been a pleasure as always. If you liked this episode. Check us out on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, and thecorner3.net. I'm Press X to Alex. Tim is Tim Daniel 24 Sean is at Sean Mackey. You guys have a great night. We'll see you next week. Hail Hayward. Sean Marion episode, what's up? 
Thanks for listening to the Corner 3 Podcast, weekly tales of the NBA's hardwood from the suburbs of Cincinnati. Be sure to add us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and check out our brand new website at thecorner3.net.